Thank you guys for tuning in. It is your girl Yasmin Renee, and this is the Why Settle podcast, the podcast that promotes, advocates, and supports the Black community for mental health. And today I have Drew Winter with me, and we're going to talk a little bit about mental health and her basketball career and get to know Drew a little bit more, okay? So Drew, tell me a little bit more about yourself, like where you grew up and how you got into basketball. Uh, I grew up in Plainfield, New Jersey. Okay, I'm from Plainfield. You're from Plainfield? Not, well, not from. I was born in Mullenberg Hospital. Really? Yeah, so. Okay. Oh, right. Uh, I lived, I just moved it. Well, I didn't just move. I've lived in Georgia for 10 years now. So, yeah. I'm from New Jersey. So, it's nice. Yes, Little Plainfield going on. Were it you is. born there? I was born in Livingston. Okay, okay. Unfortunately, not, not able to say born and raised, but. Right. <laughs> um, so. I started playing basketball outside my house mm-hmm. uh, as a kid. We had a, a couple of hoops outside, and I'll always uh, just go out, shoot around. I didn't start doing organized basketball until fifth grade, fourth grade, fourth grade. And that's when I joined uh, Plainfield Recreation. Um, got started with that. Then I went on to high school and became a thousand point scorer. Uh, and I actually, I also hold the record for most points scored as a girls basketball player. Wow. I played with 1,644 points. That's crazy. It's still standing 10 years later. Wow, that's crazy. Congratulations to Thank you. you. That That's Thank super you. awesome for you to have succeeded in that. Has basketball, like who taught you how to play? Was that just something you picked up yourself? In the beginning, it was. I would just be outside, self-taught, and then I um got a trainer. Mm-hmm. Uh, fourth grade when I when I started organized basketball, that's when I started really getting serious with it. So my mom um invested in a trainer, and he trained me until college. And you played D one. What college did you play for? Yeah, I played um. At LIU Brooklyn. Okay. They they just joined it. So they changed the mascot. They uh, changed the school colors. So instead of black and white, it's now light blue. Mm. And they're now, instead of the blackbirds, they're now the sharks. Okay. And I got I got the honor of playing for both. Wow. It over, yeah. I I um I had extra years due to injury. Mm. So I sat out, got a got a year back, and I went and was able to play when the sharks happened. Okay. And you said you had an injury. What because you worked so hard to become a basketball player and of course you leading scorer and now playing for a D one college, what was it like when you had that injury? What was your thought process? My first injury was my sophomore year. Mm. I actually went to college at seventeen years old. Wow. I didn't turn 18 until that March. Mm. So basically I, I had the whole year. I still had to, my mom had to sign permission slips for me to travel, even if I had to fly with the team. So wow. I, they always joked on me with that. But um, sophomore year, I had a whole career ahead of me. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't really too shaken up about it, but uh, ACL is very common in women's sports. 
So I was just like, wow, I, I heard about it in, in high school. This so-and-so tore the ACL and then this person tore the ACL. I'm like, oh, thank, thank God. Like, it never happened to me. Right, and right. when I went to college, I'm like, wow. So now I'm dealing with this, this uh, standpoint in my career. Mm-hmm. So how am I going to? So I was just, I was just all ears at that point. What's 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 the ACL injury? Right. So I built I built it back, and then came back um, the next year. Didn't play as much. Um, I didn't really. Rec- Some people recover a year. Mm-hmm. It took me more so like two to get back to my homostasis. Mm-hmm. Um, came back my senior year, playing starting the starting point guard, and then I tore my AC- my other ACL. Wow two different time um, points in my career. And the second one was more career ending mm. because of the transition of the coaches, um, the championship that I, I tore it before playoffs. So it was a lot of politics that went into that one. Um, oh. I didn't, I didn't have a good ending mm-hmm. with uh, my coach. It was a lot of drama with, my second um injury mm-hmm. and that that left me leaving the team mm-hmm. so i didn't have i didn't have the resources as the first one right right and my whole career i'm already a senior i had an extra year but it's my second one mm-hmm. so i'm i'm not looking too good right comeback season is always around the corner but with the added on drama mm-hmm. with with my injury it was it wasn't a fluent recovery. Right. Right. And when you went through that, um, at what point were you diagnosed with the mental health illness you were diagnosed with? So shortly after my second ACL, mm-hmm. I started having psychosis. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm over here thinking of um thinking that I have a different life. I know people that I do not know. Right. Uh, oh, and, but I clawed back. So I'm over here fuzzy on medication. Mm-hmm. And I actually got the opportunity to play for the Sharks when they did the transfer over. Right. The year I took off was when they were transitioning to the new mascot and new colors. Right. So I'm over here thinking about my mental health, getting better. And then I get a call back saying, hey, do you want to play? And I played, got my senior night, and it was a good farewell. But mentally, I wasn't, it was, it was over for me. Yeah. If, if, because I was, because supposedly I should be pro right now. Mm -hmm. And that's, these are all the thoughts that's going through my mind. My thought process is like, I was good after the first one. Yeah. So now. I tear the second one. It's like, now nah, I don't want to say God, why me? Mm-hmm. But it's like, why is this happening? Right. So in and out of the mental hospital after that, because um, I was a huge weed smoker. Mm-hmm. And I, I would go in the hospital, smoke more weed, go back in the hospital. And it was an ongoing um, pattern. Mm-hmm. But uh, after that, I just stopped. I said, I can't do this no more. Right. My mother couldn't do it no more. My family couldn't do it no more. 
it was an up and down roller coaster. Mm -hmm. So I was um, diagnosed with schizoaffective, mm -hmm. and but they was it was more so drug induced. Mm -hmm. When I got it, when I it was when I tore my second ACL. Mm -hmm. All that stress, all that drama, it, it just I think it snapped me. Yeah, put me over the edge. Definitely. And it's a lot of um, things that are demanded of student athletes. Mm -hmm. Like now they have NIL deals. You can get paid. Yeah. So it's a it's a lot of push and pull with that industry. But that's Definitely. when I was diagnosed. Definitely. And a lot of life events when things happen like that, where it's like, especially something you've prepared mainly like all your life. Like this is a dream of yours in a way. And for it to kind of be snatched from you in a way because of the injuries, the politics, the drama. Of I would definitely see how that would lead to something being drug induced or just that psychosis of what you were feeling at that time. How did your how did your support system, you mentioned your mom and your family, how did they play a part in your diagnosis when you were first diagnosed? Um we we didn't know what what was going on. Mm -hmm. Um, so we were just, it, it was just not fighting tooth and nail, but we was like, okay, so are you good now? Are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Smoke more weed. And then I, I'm not going to say I heard voices mm -hmm. or I, I was hearing voices, but I was just going through psychosis. Yeah. And I never went too far off. Okay. So to come, cause a lot of people have been telling me. Um, a lot of people don't come back from that. Mm -hmm. And I was never too far off. I was just like, what's up? Like, I'm I'm normal. Like, right. With just a little minor imbalance in my brain, perhaps. But they, um, my mother has been a great support system, picked me up from the hospital every time, um, supporting me. And it's, it's, yeah, I, I'm more so had to get my stuff together because she's she's like oh, past sixty years old. Mm -hmm. She can't she can't deal with all that stress of me going up and down. So I'm like, nah, I gotta get a grip. If yeah. it's not for me, for my mother, I gotta get a grip. Definitely, definitely. So your family played a big part in your recovering from what you were going through at that time. Yes. Yeah. And with what you were going through, as far as that feeling of having to somewhat in a way give up what you love, which is basketball. And now you have this new mental health that you're going through. How would you say that that recovery has like helped you right to who you are right now? Like how everything that you've went through, how has that made you the Drew you are right now? Well, I, I'm a dreamer, right? Mm -hmm. I'm a Pisces. Okay, so Pisces. Yes. I'm a Virgo. I'm not a Pisces, but I, I do love Pisces, so I'll give you that. <laughs> uh, I know we get a lot of slander, but it's okay. Um, we all do. Yeah. <laughs> I I'm just I just think about again, I should be pro right now. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking about where my my expectations brought me to what I thought I would be and mm -hmm. where I am right now in reality. And even if I didn't get hurt 
and we might have won the championship or won the championship, how big headed would I would I be? Mm. Like nobody could tell me nothing. I I brought back the chip. I'm, so it's it's like was it and, and everything happens for a reason. God's plan. Yeah. Or was it a redirection that I can't see yet? Mm. And I'm all and I'm all here for that because I am a dreamer. So I'm, so I'm I'm trying to see the bigger the bigger point to it. I'm a coach now, oh, so okay. I stayed within basketball. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just looking for when I, I, I lack patience a little bit because mm-hmm. I want to see what it is right now. Right. But I'm just looking for that light at the end of the tunnel, which I'm seeing, which right. I'm getting. But it's it's happening slow. But take me the drill. It's what what now can I bring to that division one level that I had mm-hmm. all the all everything I worked for? How can I reposition it? to something else that's greater. And when you were going through the mental hospitals, what was that like? Because I know some people think mental hospitals are, you know, we see the movies and we think mental hospitals are like, you know, scary or things like that. What was your experience like? Uh, it wasn't, it, it's not like the... um. For me, it's not like it's it's not like the uh, the movies, but or maybe I just was in a, I was in a um, I wasn't there for a long period of time, mm-hmm. maybe five days to a week or two. Okay. So it was in and out, mm-hmm. but um, a lot of a lot of things that go in mental hospitals is suicide. Yeah. So they take your shoestrings, mm-hmm. they take your these. Right. And, they just to make sure you don't harm yourself. Definitely. Because it's more so you're even even if you're not a harm to yourself, they're gonna consider you a harm to yourself. Mm-hmm. So that's the biggest thing. Right. Uh so uh you you could get scrubs if you want, but if you take if you bring your clothes, they take every they, they re they fashionize it. Yeah. And the food it's it's a normal hospital food, but it's it's nothing. You talk to the doctor every day. Um, they just see your progress. They put you on medication just mm-hmm. to monitor you. Uh, you might go. You might be too tired. You might um be drowsy. So they're just putting you on a on a plan. Okay. Which is really what it is. But the worst the worst of it is just being treated as if you're suicidal, mm-hmm. or maybe somebody else is suicidal around you. Right. They can go and take things of yours and use it to harm themselves. Mm-hmm. So you're really isolated. Mm-hmm. Okay. And as far as being diagnosed, um, did they fully explain to you what your diagnosis was or did you have to do your own research in a way? How was that process for you? Well, when this process started, I denied any diagnosis they gave me. Mm-hmm. I I I didn't I didn't agree with it. Um, I could have said I just had a bad trip. Mm, okay. Uh. Um. As far as the research goes, I didn't research it too much because I'm more of a. I'd rather hear what they have to say, mm-hmm. 
and I'm not too far gone. Okay. So I'm able to, I'm like, again, what's up? I'm fine. Right, right. I I did research it a little bit and just just to see the the summary of it, mm-hmm. and that's all I could even look at. Like, okay, but I just really more so go to how I feel. Okay, definitely. I feel decent. I feel fine. Mm-hmm. I just feel just the, it's just the medication that yeah. I didn't feel good on. I didn't like feeling sleepy. I didn't like feeling tired all the time. I like I. I got a good night's rest and I still wake up and I need to go back to sleep. Definitely. I felt like I couldn't do anything. Definitely. That's- so it was the side effects to the medicine that were kind of that were kind of bothering you in a way. Yes. Okay. Not like yeah. the actual diagnosis at that time. No, not but they always say it was drug induced. Mm, okay. Right. So I so it just like I guess just stay off the marijuana mm-hmm. and I'll be a okay. Yeah. When I called somebody to suicide, um, she was smoking weed. Um, she lost her mother, mm-hmm. and but I could see her change. She she was in the mental hospital, um, in high school, and she was telling me she was bipolar. Got diagnosed with bipolar. Mm-hmm. A couple years later, she committed suicide on Fourth of July. Wow. Yeah, and I watched her change, and a lot. And I'm not the only one that has said that, but you watch her be to- a totally different person. And I didn't feel that with myself, but I never, but my support system, I never let, um, I never quit. I never just gave up. I kept fighting. So I guess that could be a point where I I didn't go too far gone Mm -hmm. because I was like, it's something I I just can't do it. I just can't. I got to keep going. And that's what I was doing. So Every time my mom said, you might need to go back to the hospital, I got my things and I took my butt back to the hospital. Every mm-hmm. time I seen it happen mm-hmm. and I, and I didn't, well, you can't really control, but I didn't want the worst happening to me. So I just tried to do the right thing. Definitely. Definitely. And as far as when you were going through it initially and it being drug induced, what were some things, or now, what is something that you do on a daily that helps your mental health? I honestly don't think about that. I, I honestly don't think about what helps me. I, I'm just, only thing I do is get back into reality. Mm-hmm. I try to get a grip on reality. Like, what's going on now? Things that I thought was real isn't real. Mm-hmm. Um, How can I decipher like I believe in gut and intuition Definitely. and I believe in signs even like, um, like I had the other day I had these, this, this is the thing that only, uh, slows me down. Cause mm-hmm. I had a dream about Stephen Curry. Mm-hmm. The next day, somebody follows me or something interaction with something that says something Curry. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, and I don't have a dream about him. I don't even, so I'm like, I like so I also do music. Mm-hmm. So um some certain certain people I have a uh I gravitate towards more. Okay. And there are things and it could be it could be me just get getting a grip back on reality. Mm-hmm. 
But it, it to me, it's like, okay, I need to follow this path. I need to get less obsessive. But it's not, I don't believe in coincidences. Mm-hmm. But it's like something's going on in a higher power. Definitely. Trying to lead me somewhere. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to get too obsessive, which I did. With, mm-hmm. And that might be what, what the marijuana did to me, made me too psychosis, obsessive. But I'm trying to figure out how to stay in reality, chase my dreams, but not be too far going on in that. Definitely. I can definitely understand that. And I, I'm, I'm sure that plays a big part in with you coaching now. And how's that been as far as being a coach? Is there certain things that you may see in certain people that you coach that you've seen in yourself in a way? Um, I, uh, I bounced around from coaching from high school to middle school. Okay. Um, only thing I see is injury. Mm-hmm. I was coaching a girl that that tore her ACL multiple times before she even got to college. Wow. And that can take a real toll on somebody as a kid. Definitely. And just dealing with problems, I I just our only thing I see is just trauma mm. and I, I I no longer coach with them anymore mm-hmm. so I got the opportunity just to be around them for six months okay. but it just it just got me thinking like how could I give back to the youth definitely how could I give them pointers and advice of how to keep going Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of kids nowadays smoke weed. Yeah. So it's I'm I'm not trying to misery loves company anybody, mm-hmm. and I'm not trying to uh, enable anybody as well. But yeah. kids gonna be kids. People people learn. People uh, have fun. We're young. We're just exploring our our life. But I just see trauma, and I just pray that nobody deals with what I've been dealing with. I hope it's smooth sailing for for everybody, even if there's an injury, even if there's a problem, any any problems at home. I just I'm I'm trying to, and I know I might uh, be trying to put the city on my on my back mm-hmm. with this one, but. Like, how can I help somebody not go through psychosis? And that's kind of impromptu, but it's, it's that's just how I think. And wherever things happen, I can't control another person's brain, mm-hmm. chemistry. But that's, with the coaching, I want to give back to that extent. And I, as a young coach, I don't, I don't know how, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I haven't gotten, I still can't remember the kids' names. Yeah. Or uh, like, and I feel like, and I'm also looking at other people's, um, how other people do things. I'm like, dang, how y'all remember people's names like that? Mm-hmm. Some people just not, just might not be good at names. Right. And don't beat yourself up about it. Definitely. And those are things that I'm dealing with as well. So it's like, yo, just, and 
it's sometimes like, oh yeah, I was I was medicated for psychosis. That's probably why you don't remember people's names, which is not true. Mm-hmm. So I have this chip on my shoulder. I have this scared, scared, scare this fear that this is because of my mental illness. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not going to be good enough because of my mental illness. Definitely. Definitely. And I can see how that would be like a roadblock. Would you feel like, like, because I've been diagnosed, maybe I'm second guessing myself a lot more, but I think with just help, just telling your story and those people who need to hear that story, it will help them. Um, and like you said, you can't put, you want to put the city on your back, but you can't always do that. Cause like you said, people are going to live the life that they want and that's their, that's their complete they're open to do that if that's what you want to do that's completely on you but I think telling your story and letting it be known what you went through and that you came out of that will definitely help a lot of people and as far as giving advice what would you give advice to somebody who is in the exact place you were what advice would you give to those people um that has been diagnosed with something Yes, that's been diagnosed or may have um, played a sport that and now and they've been diagnosed or just who have dealt with something that you dealt with as well. Well, I mean, I have my brand is called the wet movement. Okay. What stands for when everyone talks. Mm -hmm. And like you said, sharing the story, just talk about it. Um, There is nobody wants to talk about mental health. Mental. Not at all. Not at all. Nobody wants to, even if um, it's always a elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. So, and sometimes people need to be heard. Mm-hmm. Um, so when everyone talks, just talk. Just don't be afraid to, because when I first got diagnosed, I was telling people. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, man, I've been, I said, I've been smoking too much weed. Yeah, man, I was in the hospital. Yeah, man, I, I. so I just... I spoke my truth. I wasn't ashamed of it. I wasn't, I didn't fear it. Only, only time I fear is, is am I going to ever be good enough mm-hmm. again? Cause I smoked weed since I was 13 years old. Mm-hmm. That's all I know. Oh, yeah. that's all I knew. Mm-hmm. So now I'm, and uh, where I work, people smoke all the time. Mm-hmm. Old people. Yeah. 40s, uh, late thirties. And I'm, and I'm, over here saying you got to just live in the now and the reality. That's what I'll give somebody. It's hard to do that, mm-hmm. but live in today. Definitely. One day at a time, one step at a time. Um, but you gotta, you gotta build back that, that dream, that the ability to dream mm-hmm. and ability to grasp on to your dream. Cause sometimes Things things go way out of proportion, and you you don't have the resources, the funds, and right. to achieve it. But just make sure you are reaching attainable goals to build that back up. Right, will be my advice. Definitely, I think that's great advice, and um, I do feel like with weed because it is such a common 
Um, drug that is used among people, I don't think people, like you said before, oh, I, I'm just having a bad trip. I think people don't actually understand how it can affect you in negative ways, and it does affect, it's a drug, it affects everybody differently. So what is okay for somebody, it may not be just a bad trip or just, uh, you know, maybe I just need to take a nap or maybe I'm a little too high for some people. So I think it's very important that you came on um, the podcast today to tell your story. And I do hope that with your future that you get everything that you want and deserve. And I, I don't want you to second guess yourself. I feel like, you know, by just coming on here, you reached out and I'm grateful that you reached out. And I thank you for sharing your story with the people who follow me. And, um, like I said, I think that this is great. It needs to be. It needs to be told. So I'm very appreciative to you, and I thank you again for coming on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. No problem. No problem. One goal, one passion. Why settle? One goal, one passion. Why settle?